Hello, Alyssa. How are you? Hello, gorgeous. I'm actually um, slightly unwell. No, I'm 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 a tiny <laughs> bit hungover, but I'm not I'm not too bad. Oh, bless you. For, for anyone listening, we um, are recording this on Sunday morning, so Alice is not just randomly hungover on a Thursday. No, I promise. I'm not. I'm. I don't have a problem. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, how are you feeling? Um, I'm. I'm actually feeling all right. I'm not feeling too bad. I'm certainly feeling better for speaking to you and talking about our favourite thing in the world. Doki Who. <laughs> Stop it, you. If there's any hangover cure, it's to either watch or talk about Doctor Who and the expanded media. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, like, the second that we're not working on the podcast, we're probably still looking at Doctor Who. <laughs> News, oh my God. info, merch, artwork, <laughs> spin-offs, rumours. For everyone at home, um, I have come to my parents for the weekend in the countryside because um, it was my brother's birthday. And doing it, I was hunting through my cupboards to find some of my old bits, and I uncovered my sort of collection of classic Doctor Who DVDs that I thought I'd gotten rid of and I hadn't and I was messaging Alistair yesterday while he was out being like look at this DVD look what I found oh my god I I, I love it though I love to hear I'm in the pub texting you back like oh my god these are stunning we need to keep these you were like let's merge our collections (laughs) let's merge them let's have one bookshelf where we keep all of them (laughs) my uncle for a long time has had a collection of classic Doctor Who DVDs which I've thought was the coolest thing and he has them on a bookshelf and I've always found very admirable and lately I've found myself dipping into CEX the store I mean Mm -hmm. I know you meant to call it sex but I refuse to no I can't do that and it's fantastic for old DVDs they've got a lot of stuff on there that's genuinely so cheap every now and then the blu-rays aren't as cheap and the games aren't as cheap as you can get on Mm -hmm. you know Amazon eBay whatever but um it's definitely like I remember I used to get loads and loads of the classic ones I don't have as many anymore sadly but CEX was where I definitely would go because you'd be able to snag them for like sometimes like four pounds or something yeah my boyfriend took a picture of me yesterday squatted on the floor of cx going through the doc 2 dvds calling you <laughs> like hey sam <laughs> having previously ignored all your other texts that day just want your quick advice um is it worth me getting the five doctors at six pounds is that, is that i literally value? said to you when you're on the phone i was like oh have you like seen my other messages and you're like i've not looked yet but I need help with this. I've not even looked. I don't care. Just, I just want your expert opinion right now. Oh my god! But you can always come to me for Doctor Physical Media advice, as mm-hmm. we've now established. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'd love if all the classic stuff gets migrated either back to iPlayer or to Disney or to something you know where it's included in the subscription I'd already have. I feel like it would make sense for them to move them onto Disney Plus because then a lot of people have been saying they hope that when the sort of merger happens, they said that iPlayer will always be the home of Doctor Who. Like, they're not going to put new Doctor Who episodes onto Disney Plus in the UK. Yeah. But it's so difficult to watch classic episodes. Certainly if you're in the UK, I don't even know about outside of the UK. It would make sense to have, like, your own... There is certainly enough content out here, (laughs) as we'll talk about today, to have a Disney Plus page dedicated to Doctor Who. And they were saying maybe separate it, like, by Doctor or something. Like, that would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I find it bizarre how hard it is to find classic Who on the internet and mm-hmm. the hoops you have to go through it feels really gatekept yeah it is and i think genuinely is the worst <laughs> billing user experience everything is horrific about it and i don't know why that's the only way to watch it because a lot of it is so good like i didn't realize I how much fun classic who is i've recently got into it and i've been watching some john pertwee stories i was watching some sylvester mccoy stories and it's so much fun and i said to you like it's amazing watching it i mean it, it's obvious but the parallels and the consistency between things that were made in 19 19- 
2007 mm-hmm. are, are amazing. It's so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And I love, there are some stories of mine. I think I was a bit more into Classic Who than you were. And I certainly haven't expanded my horizons to all of it. I need to go through and watch a lot of them. But um, for me, there's some really great Fourth Doctor stories, which I think hold up to be as good as any David Tennant episode. Oh, like totally. Yeah, I think Genesis of Daleks is an amazing story. I think the Sontaran Experiment is also an incredible story. Mm. These are also both the stories with the Doctor, Sarah Jane and Harry. And I think that they are like a really good trio TARDIS team. And then I think later when Harry leaves, I think that the Doctor and Sarah Jane's relationship is kind of what they're going with, with like the Doctor and Yaz after Graham and that left. Um, It's just such great storytelling. Yeah, it's that there's some really, really great stuff. I'm loving at the minute john pertwee interacting with uh liz shaw is a great character as well mm. quite an obvious like prelude to uh kate stewart yeah she's fantastic i don't know much about her character yet i'm kind of honestly like i'm experiencing her as a new as an audience would have done without really knowing anything about the character of liz shaw but um yeah i'm enjoying that and anyway this ties in very nicely with today's theme we're talking mm-hmm. about kind of the expanded universe and specifically we're looking at spin-offs mm-hmm. exactly and i mean i think it's especially exciting at the moment as we're being teased the Hoon- the universe has been a term sort of thrown around for ages but yeah um with shooting out from bad wolf studios a officially teasing the home of the Hooniverse. I do think that, and also with the deal with Disney, we're going to be getting a lot of expanded media. I know that Doctor Who won't be at the budget of, say, Marvel, mm-hmm. but I think that they are going to start treating it like that. I know um, a couple of years ago, Russell T. Davies was saying in an interview that he was kind of upset that Doctor Who wasn't already like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He said that there are so many incredible characters, there are so many engaging monsters. You have the content there to create a whole universe of programs and then obviously spin-off media and audio dramas and all that and he was saying that he wasn't quite sure why it wasn't that ready so i do think with him at the helm he really is going to try and push for doctor Who to become as big as he sees it can be well he's done this interview recently with gq and it's the one that's titled that he wants to have edgar wright come and direct Doctor yes Who. and i think he's clarified this a bit better which is almost that it's not that he doesn't understand or he's frustrated it hasn't happened he kind of understands why it happened he was saying yeah. kind of as a public broadcaster it makes sense and maybe even is fair that funds are allocated kind of fairly for other shows i think he sort of implied that at the point that he left the budgets began to dry up a little mm. and they weren't as free for more spin-off material based around the same franchise so i think he said though that the proposal to make doctor who a lot bigger again now he suggested that that was already underway that the bbc was already making those plans to expand and find a streaming partner to improve Mm. the budget and to create more media he was suggesting that that came from the bbc side with or without russell and that was already underway it's all so interesting. I really, there's his truth, there's their truth, and then there's the truth. I really want to know, because it's quite well known now that the ending for The Power of the Doctor was deliberately left ambiguous. I'm not saying it would have been left to be put on hiatus, but it was left at the end of the script not knowing who the next Doctor would be. It could just be mm-hmm. a case of they hadn't ch- chosen the Doctor yet, so they would have regenerated Jodie, that would have been a cliffhanger, and then yeah. the premiere of the next season would have been the new Doctor. But it very much looks as though Doctor Who, it just wasn't getting the same viewership it was getting, they wasn't getting the same expanded media. They would try doing some expanded media in Peter Capaldi's era, which we'll talk about. Um, but I do wonder, like, how, I think, I don't know yeah. if he's, like, underplaying his part in it, I don't know how much, I'm sure the BBC did have plans for, like, spin-offs and stuff and expanded media, but I don't know 
I just want to know the truth. I want to know the cold hard facts. I know. I feel I feel there's a story here that we're still not quite getting because mm-hmm. I feel that Russell's almost at this point giving us quite a clear timeline of events from his side. Yeah. I do think there's something of this story missing because as you say there was no continuity planning as far as we can see right because Mm -hmm. it was so open-ended and even in the way that we're receiving doctor who this year there's a huge gap happening yeah so we now have only three hours of doctor who this year which is three specials filmed with Catherine tate david tennant and in the christmas special shooty catwire as well is going to be mm-hmm. debuted but his series shooties is not going to debut properly until 2024 mm. and it's only just filming now i think they might still be on are they on the first block of filming now i think they're still on the first block yeah and we've only started to get these glimpses now of Shooty on set because he's basically been unavailable with Barbie, with sex education. So mm-hmm. we're still only getting a first look at him. What's really funny as well is we've had these like crisp HD beautiful stills of Millie Gibson and there are these like Bigfoot sightings of <laughs> Shooty and it's like, this silhouette on a hill seems to be him. It seems that. <laughs> the planning certainly wasn't there because of this this huge gap that there would have been between Jody and Shooty if, yeah. if there hadn't well, been special. Well, either way, I'm excited to be getting more spin-offs because especially looking at the past for this episode of the podcast, there has been so much more than even I knew about. And I'm hoping that I can bring some interesting tidbits to the table for you today. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, so Russell hasn't explicitly confirmed spin-offs but mm-hmm. he certainly said that doctor who is now ready for that phase and that spin-offs should be happening now it's, it's kind of the way it's been described exactly and the majority of officially licensed by the bbc spin-offs were happening during russell's era so it's certainly something he wants it's yeah. definitely something he's teased it's something that shooty has teased and um it's something i think we're all ready for and it's like russell's done very well I mean, even with the more limited budget back in day, we had the Sarah Jane Adventures, mm-hmm. we had Torchwood, yeah. and we had Doctor Who. Those were kind of the three prongs of the Hooniverse empire. And he managed to like also perfectly do all of those shows as separate entities, and you could watch one of them or watch all of them and enjoy them. And then in the finale of season four, bring all three of those very coherently together. It literally was our Avengers Infinity War <laughs> at the time. It was. And I think what was nice about that, that perhaps has got a bit muddy with the expanded Marvel media, is that none of them relied on each other. I don't think there was any crucial piece of information that you only received halfway through a series of the Sarah Jane Adventures that became critical to understand. That's a very good point. A certain plot point in Doctor Who. And Torchwood would tie in nicely with like, oh, this is about to happen. We can't interfere with these events. But it wasn't critical. It didn't matter. And then like, oh, uh, Martha's freelancing for a bit. She might pop up for a couple of episodes. But it'd have no no impact on the main show. So it didn't affect your enjoyment if you were a casual viewer because you could just dip in. And I'm sure some people preferred certain spin-off media to the main show. I'm sure there were people who preferred Torchwood. Well, there were also people, like, I don't know about you, but I wasn't watching Torchwood when The Stolen Earth came out because I wasn't old enough. Like it was a 15, I think, or maybe the later series in 18. And I, I wasn't old enough to watch it. So mm. like, but it was great because like, for example, with Martha we as Doctor Who viewers knew that her and Jack know each other because he was in series three with her and then since then if you watch Torture you'll see that she joined Torture for a little bit um she met all of the Torture team they all got to know her so then in the Stolen Earth when she teleports and they think that she's been disintegrated into atoms Jack says Martha's down to the Torture team and you see Gwen and Yanto like devastated and yeah. if you watch Torture you know because they have a relationship they know each other and it, mm. it really just adds those levels I I agree I love that 
Um, it's frustrating because there's there's shows like, for example, The Mandalorian is super popular, but a huge plot point for The Mandalorian takes place in the middle of The Book of Boba Fett, which is a completely separate series. And mm-hmm. there's a new series of The Mandalorian coming out, which no longer flows correctly <laughs> from the end oh, of the last so series of The Mandalorian. You have to now divert, watch two episodes of a different show, and then come back to The Mandalorian to understand it, which is which is bonkers to me that they've done that. I don't get it. I think that is something that a lot of people have fears about with Disney being involved with this spin-off because it happens with Marvel, it happens with Star Wars. You have to watch certain media to understand other shows and like yeah. you said the mandalorian is a great example of you have to now go into the book of boba fett i think that you had to go watch vision before you watch the new doctor strange film you couldn't watch doctor strange one and then watch doctor strange two yeah i don't i don't get that i really don't get that i don't get how that's meant to be accessible for casual viewers which is I think, it's not it's, it's becoming it's, not which is it's who a lot of doctor who fans are right and the the kind of golden era of doctor who series one to four rested massively on casual fans yeah. there was a lot of people who dipped into it they'd watch it because it was on at prime time they'd watch it because it was on at christmas and because it was fairly accessible but it had layers underneath that which were more exciting for the committed fans completely and i think that russell's era and i, I don't want to give russell all credit because i know that like, chris chibnall was really involved with torchwood and like that other people are involved with other shows but his steering of the ship him being the kevin feige of the hooniverse really did mean that it was all coherent viewing and, and i think we should dive into talking about some of them oh please dive in dive in so looking at officially licensed uh, by the BBC spin-offs, we had a few. The only one that we had before New Who was a pilot for K9 and Company, which was a K9 and Sarah Jane spin-off in the 80s. Oh. Um, this featured K9 being gifted to Sarah Jane by the Doctor. And although okay. we don't see it, I believe that it's sort of known in the Who community. I think that they might have mentioned it later off screen at some point. It was also when he gifted her the Sonic lipstick. And it's an adventure with her. You meet her Aunt Lavinia. And it's all about a spin-off idea for her and K9. And although mm-hmm. that didn't come to fruition for an entire series, I think that certainly then was one of the reasons they chose to bring her back in school reunion because she was such a love character in her era. She was such a love character in this spin-off. And then that then led to the Sarah Jane adventures, which became the much more right. better known Doctor Who spin-off with Sarah Jane and K9, which was yeah. aimed at uh, children. It was on CBBC. I know that both of us watched it. Um, and that sort of solidified her even more as a fan favourite companion, along with K9. So for me, the standout series, the spin-off, the spin-off was the Sarah Jane Adventures starting mm-hmm. in September 2007. That's when I started year seven. Were you in year six? I would have been, I think, in year six. Uh, yes, because I went into year seven in 2008. You're a child. I think you just said I'm youthful. Yeah, you're youthful. Sure, I'm a hag. Um, <laughs> and this is an interesting era, because I guess this is when we started to grow up a bit with the show, because we entered mm-hmm. our uh, early teenage years at some point during this. So I didn't see the Sarah Jane Adventures, I think, beyond series one and two, because at that point, it was a CBBC show, and we were maybe a little bit old for it. I don't know if you watched it all the way through. Oh, honey, I think I was watching things way longer than I should have done. I was watching the show till it ended. Well, good for you. And (laughs) this was some TV gold. And actually, it's a shame because I've seen clips of the newer stuff. And I think it really, really came into its own the further it went on. I feel like they added a bit more of a sassy flair to Sarah Jane the longer she went on. I mean, she always had it. Oh, for sure. But I feel like she really came into it 
definitely. I think that she, at the start, it was more about Sarah Jane learning how to work with these kids and working out what her life was going to be now in a mother role because it was a role that she'd never sort of been in before. It's nothing It's nothing that she'd ever had to face. And I think that once she'd kind of like come into her own, were you watching still in series three when David Tennant uh, turned up? Uh, yes, I was. The Wedding of Sarah Jane. The Wedding of Sarah Jane, yeah. A I major think that moment. from then onwards, when she kind of made her peace with the fact that she was going to live like independently and she didn't need no man, I think she then allowed herself to become very sassy and it was very kind of like girl power. I think that the show also, much as it was aimed at children, it really did feature some interesting grown-up topics. One of the episodes that really stuck out to me was, I believe it was the finale of series four, where Sarah Jane, she starts losing her memory. And it's not in a weird, like, well, it does, spoiler alert, it was an alien, but it's not coming across in like a weird alien way. It's coming across like Alzheimer's or dementia. And she like leaves the car with the gear stick down and the car rolls and like forgets people's names and thinks Luke's coming home from university when he's not. And um, the whole episode plays out that you think that she's starting to go a bit senile and it's a really like sad thing to face and I remember we watching it recently and I was like oh shit this kind of hits home and then spoiler alert it was an alien taking her memories but yeah. I think that it would always come around to a place of safety for the kids but it really did explore some interesting topics. This is I think what I said before I think the best media is the stuff that doesn't patronize kids and lets them deal with some of the heavier topics I think that came up when we were talking about Father's Day mm. and that really comes through here again. The one that people said was really sad as well was The Curse of Clyde Langer so Mm. there's that episode where he gets totally isolated because everyone not just forgets him and forgets they know and love him his family forget him but everyone starts to hate him yeah and they start to turn on him and he becomes homeless i think in that i think so yeah i need to rewatch. it but I, rem- I remember someone is trying to convince the bannerman rogan that they love clyde and ronnie's like and i think at that point ronnie and clyde have kind of been alluded to the fact that they maybe had feelings for each other she was like why would i want to be near that man i hate him and i was mm. like oh god <laughs> And we had some really great um, cameos in this as well. Of course, we have the wonderful Katie Manning oh, came back as amazing. Joe Jones. We mm-hmm. had Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, David Tennant as the 10th Doctor. Mm-hmm. We had the Brigadier, Nicholas Courtney. Yes. Um, we had Nicholas Briggs, who didn't play a Dalek, but did play a Jadoon. Uh, yes, we did. We did. And of course, we had my favourite, my favourite cameo. We had Lachelle Cole as Trinity Wells, everyone's favourite. <laughs> she really is the goat. <laughs> Queen. In Doctor Who magazine, Sophie Aldred said that Rusty Davies had actually shared he had plans to bring Ace into the show had it continued. Oh, that would have been amazing. So when Elizabeth Sladen died, which was obviously incredibly sad and she was taken much too soon, I remember mm-hmm. David Tennant gave a tribute on BBC News, I think, the day it was announced in the morning and what he said about this which is so true is that what was really really remarkable about the character of so jane smith is that she was introduced to multiple generations of children Mm. and that you know she was loved by much older fans and by children who were discovering you know the character of searching for the first time and that 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 really is such a unique and a special thing Mm. Completely. I can't think of many other characters in TV or film where they were 
so loved in the era they were introduced. And, you know, the Doctor and Sarah Jane, I think, are the archetype for the Doctor and a companion. Yeah, they and are. And then to be reintroduced later to a whole new generation, to be just as loved by that generation, it's it's such a special thing. And I know, um, I'm not sure if you watched the Farewell Sarah Jane short they did in lockdown, did you? I did. I saw it late. I didn't see it in lockdown, but I, did. I have seen it since. It's just the most amazing thing. So it was in lockdown 2020 when they were making all these Doctor Who lockdown shorts. And um, the Sarah Jane Adventures, people felt like it never properly got its ending because obviously um, Elizabeth Sladen sadly passed away. And so Russell T Davies wrote this epilogue to the series called Farewell Sarah Jane, where Jacob Dubman, who's been working obviously with Big Finish for ages, read this story and they brought a lot of cast from the Sarah Jane Adventures back to read the dialogue that they were saying in the script. And um, it was all about Sarah Jane's funeral and what happened to all the guests, where they went. And of course, I loved like halfway through, there was this big alien invasion they all had to solve. But all these classic companions came back and all of the people from Sarah Jane Adventures came back. And I genuinely, to this day, I think I've seen it maybe two or three times. I have not been able to watch it without crying. Like Mm. I grew up with the Sarah Jane Adventures, as did so many other children. Mm. And it felt like the perfect ending you know um again katie manning came back and did a little bit for it i think that sophie aldred came back and did a little bit for it all of the Ben Monroe gang and what i loved so yeah. much about it is that um when tommy knight came back to do his bit as luke he had one of the sideman voice changer helmets behind him and a picture of sarah jane to his side and he said about how his friend at uni later became his boyfriend then husband and they were now married yes. because it was alluded to by russell t davis that if they had carried on the series you would have found out that luke was gay and that was his boyfriend i just think that's such an important thing to solidify yeah. I love it. Yes! <laughs> Come on, Ally, Miss Sarah Jane. We always Ally. knew it, but I, I think that was so lovely. And it that really would have been, was. it's a real shame as well, because it would have been a nice, little, a nice little piece of queer representation for kids. And it's the kind of thing, actually, I think that CBBC is is pretty willing to go into. I know they did a series about um, a boy who's really into football and finds that he's gay. And mm. that is a story that they did that was that was for kids, and that was lovely. Yeah. Um, and I know they can they can handle that very sensitively, which is Completely. really nice. I, and another reason why he needs to come back. Did you hear about the canine series that was done in 2009 onwards? Baby. 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 I've got some, I've got some I've got some ficty facts about that. Oh, I don't want to spoil that one for you, but that was rough. Do you, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So that Let's talk about it. That is the only uh TV series. We have a lot of spin-off movies that I'll talk about. Um but that was the mm-hmm. only uh spin-off TV series that was not officially licensed by the BBC, but it was officially licensed by an individual copyright holder. And it actually ties in mm-hmm. quite well or quite badly, depending on your opinion, to the Sarah Jane Adventures. <laughs> so it was produced by Metal Mutt Productions. And I believe, I want to say it was an Australian production. I think it was set in Australia. Mm-hmm. Did you yes. ever watch it? I never watched it. I think I saw promo material around it and I found it immensely frustrating <laughs> that it didn't have any direct connections to Doctor Who and wasn't officially a Doctor Who spin-off, which made it to me just entirely pointless. Yeah, no, I get that. I I watched the first, I think maybe two episodes. I think it was on either CITV or I think it was originally then later on Disney XD. And it basically follows this little group of kids. I think like one of them's the poor kid, one of them's the rich kid. And um, they uh, all come together with this mad professor and there's this alien that's going to come attack them and then K9 comes suddenly gets teleported in and I loved it because it's the same design of K9 as the classic K9 like the K9 you yes, and I know the Mark 1 the Mark 1 um and I think the thing is that the K9 that 
was in School Reunion, because School Reunion, basically, School Reunion happened, and that reignited the love for Sarah Jane and K-9, and the Sarah Jane Adventures got automatically, or like pretty much automatically greenlit. But uh, a man called Bob Baker was the creator of K-9, and I believe he owns the licensing to K-9. Right. So they agreed that K-9 Mark One, the classic K-9, would be the one that featured in this show, and K-9 Mark Three would be the one that goes to the Sarah Jane Adventures. However, due to this shitty canine series that <laughs> that caused licensing issues with them being able to use canine in the sarah jane adventures so obviously in school reunion she left with canine and we all thought we were, she was going to go have amazing adventures with canine and guess what mary in the first three seasons he's stuck in a black hole <laughs> <laughs> i did think that was frustrating and odd and i don't think mm-hmm. i ever knew that that was the reason why she like yeah. opens up a cupboard in the wall and she's like canine and she's like he's like yes business and he's just like monitoring a black hole kind of floating in space i don't <laughs> know why he's even helping there i know well it's literally he was apparently due to the licensing limited to only being able to cameo in other shows he couldn't be like a lead character so it wasn't until the licensing ran out with this show it only got one season thank god um and that was when in series three of sarah jane he could then come out and be a main character ah just absurd just absurd just absurd absurd. they actually aired the first episode of the canine spinoff on the same day as matt smith's first episode the 11th hour in <gasps> australia to try and kind of capitalize on the popularity i don't think that worked <laughs> um it's interesting as well with the rights to canine i think for example with the daleks they were owned at one point by terry nation's estate because mm. they were his creation and i don't think anyone really knows the details of the relationship between Terry Nation's estate and Doctor Who, uh, the BBC, in terms of the Daleks, there's been all kinds of rumours. For example, there was a rumour once that in order to use the Daleks, they have to feature them at least once per series to keep the license. Mm. And I think that was debunked at another point. I think someone else said that even if that had been the agreement at one point, the the BBC basically bought them out at some point, and they now own the Daleks again, and they can do what they want with them at any time. I, yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's interesting that that K9 was this contentious piece of material. I know. I th- it's so funny. I think so many iconic Dog 2 things have been at the point of contention when it comes to licensing. I know that what we spoke about it before when we were talking the review of Dalek. Uh, the Daleks, they didn't know they would be able to get them back or not from Terry Nation's estate. And you can see here that there have been differences with the licensing with Bob Baker. Um, it's quite interesting how you'll find in a lot of these non-officially licensed BBC spin-offs when they're made with the agreement of the people that own the licensing to a certain thing, a lot of classic Doctor Who sort of actors do come back. So John Leeson was still the voice actor for K9. He voiced him in School Reunion. Mm. He voiced him in Sarah Jane. He voiced him in Classic Who. So they do still manage to bring back quite a few people. Interesting. I mean, there was a rumour in 2019 that K9 could become the the focus of a new children's spinoff. I don't think that ever came to any mm. fruit, but it didn't. It didn't come to fruition. Um, interesting. One thing, we're not really going to talk about audio dramas in this. I I think that audio dramas should be a whole, like there's too much to talk about. That'd be a whole other episode. But in the Doctor Who podcast drama Redacted, which I know both of us listened to. Loved. Love, love, loved it. um, The writers were given sort of a list of characters by the BBC that they weren't allowed to use. One of them was Donna Noble, Mm. for obvious reasons now. And another one was K9. The BBC said, no, you're not allowed to use K9. Like we have plans. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of people, myself included, thought that might have meant that we would have seen K9 with Ace because it was, I think, in the um, Farewell Sarah Jane spin-off that we had during lockdown, I think Russell wrote that K9 left with Ace at Sarah Jane's funeral. So I don't know. It's not officially canon, but then again, what is official canon? I don't know. 
There's no canon. There's no canon. There's no canon. Well, speaking about canon, let's cannonball into Torchwood. Yes, girl. So Torchwood was a series that went from 2006 to 2011. And I feel like it had a really weird series, like like as in each season was really odd. So we had series mm-hmm. one and two, which were very conventional, say, series of a TV series. Then series three yes. was Children of Earth, which was a mini series. And then series mm-hmm. four was a partnership with BBC America, and it was Miracle Day. So I feel like we never really got consistent yeah. series beyond series two. Um, what did you think of Torchwood? Were you an avid viewer of Torchwood? Oh, God, a lot to say. I did watch Torchwood. Um, now, when it first came out, we were both quite young. So I think I remember finding it quite scary. And I knew it was the grown-up show. Mm. I think it was on, was it on BBC Three? Uh, yes, I think it was on BBC Three. I think it was. And, and BBC Three was already kind of the naughty grown-up shows, right? That and was where they showed sun, sex and suspicious parents. Yeah, I think a, a byproduct of the noughties was that a lot of shows were just massively hypersexual mm-hmm. and it was all like eh, suck, 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 suck. <laughs> and Torchwood is a bit that as well and it's it's funny I went back to watch it a couple of years ago and I remember watching through it thinking like wow I don't remember it trying this hard to be a grown-up show mm-hmm. um I mean the epi- I think it's is it episode one or maybe two is with the like the horny sex monster oh yeah I feel wants- like Maybe episode two, but I remember, yeah. Maybe written by Chris Chibnall as well. And it has to force an orgasm <laughs> from someone else. And then it like kills them. It like sucks out their life energy or something. Which I guess is what happens when you orgasm. It's hey-oh. just, just it's so embarrassing like <laughs> mm-hmm. to watch back. But so there's a lot of those kind of adventures. Some of those stories are fantastic though. I remember one of the best ones, I've forgotten the name of it. There's one another Chris Chibnall one which is excellent where the team come across basically a family of cannibals and there's no alien aspect to it the scary Mm. aspect is it's almost like what if uh humans were the monsters but it does that that kind of classic thing very well because it's genuinely like it's a horror yeah and there's a horrible moment where Gwen is like I have to understand I have to know why they did this and they're like Gwen no and then she goes and confronts this cannibal man and it's like why did he do these horrible things like why did he butcher all these people and he just like leans into her and he's like because it made me happy and she does this horrible like horrified face and she's like tearing up and it's there were some moments like that that were just like horrific Mm -hmm. and later series as well there was some i've told you this before there's some stuff that i actually struggled to watch without what i didn't recognize as a teenager were symptoms of anxiety (laughs) so i like okay so there's the children of earth one which is pretty terrible and pretty Mm -hmm. terrifying right because in that one we have aliens come to earth and cart off children as drugs and they want to take away i don't know what is it 10 percent of the earth's children to kind of go and traffic across the universe for aliens to like smoke as drugs which is effed up massively Mm -hmm. and then we have a later series which is the one that was made kind of super americanized it was done with stars yeah and what was that series called miracle day miracle day god miracle day so this one i struggled with Mm -hmm. when i watched miracle day because the concept is no one can die so even if you're like hideously injured and mutilated you're alive even if your head is detached from your body you're You're alive alive. and you feel everything and you suffer and there's nothing you can do to stop it Mm -hmm. and those episodes i they are hard to watch (laughs) i thought i had 
I thought I had asthma and I had to use my mother's inhaler. I'm not kidding. I, I was like, you. I can't, I can't quite breathe. I was like, I can't quite breathe right. Um, I feel quite, um, hoo, hoo, hoo. that, um, it was that unsettling. It's so unsettling. I feel like I like series one and two of Torture because they really give me the nostalgia of that kind of, it feels like a, a series of Doctor in that each episode is a different adventure. But I think that I prefer series three and four, even though they are a lot more harrowing, because I think that they do something Doctor Who doesn't do where they do one overarching story over an entire series. The whole series is one story. And I think that they Mm -hmm. use their platform of being a more grown-up Doctor Who show better than in the first two series. Because in the first two series, like you said, it's much more like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Let's have gay people kissing and people have sex and there's guns. Whereas in series three and four, it's like, okay, no, we can make TV for adults. Why don't we talk about harrowing subjects? Why don't we sort of talk about hard things? Why don't we have people make difficult choices? And like, I mean, spoiler alert for everyone who's not seen um, series three of Torchwood, his daughter's like begging him, begging him like, please dad, don't do it, don't do it. And he does it and he kills his grandson Mm -hmm. to save all the Mm -hmm. other children. And I think it's those kinds of ultimatums where there is no, Jack isn't a hero. He's not a good person. He just does what he thinks he has to do in the situation to do what he believes is right. And I think that sort of moral grey ground is where you can really benefit from having a more adult platform as a Doctor Who show. Yeah, it's interesting as well because it's always a bit like the Doctor gets to cheat because if you're a human being and you're faced with those kind of horrible decisions and that's the only way to save people, then that's the kind of moral decision you have to wrestle with, I Mm. guess, is what this kind of gets at. Whereas the Doctor gets to kind of drop in and run off at any given time mm-hmm. and with hundreds of years of kind of experience in history and gadgets and a TARDIS and a sonic screwdriver you know can also afford to be cocky and mm-hmm. outsmart his opponents where other people can't and I think the interesting thing that this show raised or the most interesting thing that for me this raised was why does the doctor not arrive sometimes like then and gwen has a great monologue in children of earth about this and she says i think i know why the doctor doesn't come it's because sometimes he must look at this planet and must turn his head in shame because the horrible things that people are willing to do and that's very good and that's like the most interesting question it throws up yeah no completely agree. i also love that while earth is going through this horrific like gut-wrenching thing in Miracle Day where people are being forced to like stay alive if they can't die. There's those horrible, for want of a better word, concentration camps where they're having to keep people. But at the same time, the doctor is Matt Smith and he's wearing bow ties and he's like gooby-dooby gooby-dooby goobing around with like Vincent van Gogh and the Silurians. Talking of exciting content, do you want to quickly talk about class? Oh yeah, let's talk about class. So I don't know if you watched class. Did you watch class when it came out? I did watch class. I was in third year of uni and at this point i feel interest in doctor who broadly was waning yeah and this felt like a little bit of a last ditch attempt to reboot a bit of interest around the show with some kind of supplementary media and this had all the makings of what sounded like it was going to be so good um we had patrick ness announced as the writer which was Mm -hmm. all very cool we had a young fresh interesting cast 
um, brought on. I like that it was set in um, the Coal Hill Academy, previously the Coal Hill School, which was obviously the school that Susan was in, in The Unearthly Child, and it was the school that Clara worked in. So it was like a good location. Yes, nice tie in there as well. Um, and then I think at this time, BBC Three had already been axed on TV as well. So it was going to be a digital only release on iPlayer, and it was trying to mimic that kind of netflix mm-hmm. release model that was super popular at the time because this was only a year or two after stranger things yeah. started um so sorry. yeah it was in the end a little bit of a i flop. think it, i remember when this was announced and i think i was in my second year at uni because i did a foundation i remember hearing about they're like yeah we're gonna do a new doctor who spin-off it's gonna be set in the school it's gonna be like young adults so it's more sort of grown up than doctor who but maybe not quite as grown up as torchwood and i just remember thinking i was like oh god this is gonna flop yeah. and i remember being like oh i love torture and i love sarah jane adventures and i was like it's gonna be so annoying if the third spin-off of like my lifetime is gonna be terrible yeah <laughs> and i definitely think it had positives i think that it explored queer relationships really well which i liked i liked the setting of the school i really liked the cliffhanger even though it has never and will never lead to anything do you remember the cliffhanger of the season I don't know what the cliffhanger was. I've forgotten it. Oh, wait, wasn't she like half demon baby something? So it ended with, I think, the... I don't. It wasn't the villain. It was like the underhand villain. Like someone who'd been there the whole season. She had a council that she had to sort of plead her case to because she hadn't managed to fulfil her mission. And they sort of deemed her guilty of not being able to fulfil her mission. They were in this big church. Right. And they all like sentence her. And she's like, oh God, no, no, no. We don't know what they're sentencing her to. And they all turn their backs on her. And she's like, no, look at me, look at me, look at me. And she turns around and suddenly there's a weeping angel behind her. And the weeping angel takes her. And then you look up and there's a really big, I think it was like a stained glass window of a weeping angel. And you find out there's like the church of angels. And that was a big tease for series two, that the weeping angels have some kind of like secret cult with humans. And um, I remember I was like, oh, that's a really interesting concept. Like that's that like it was a really gaggy finale. And I was like, oh, I'd be really interested Mm. to see how that moves on and then it never got a season two so i totally <laughs> forgot that yeah i totally forgot that until you just said it mm-hmm. that's so interesting wasn't there another twist though as well with one of the female leads and she was like either pregnant or part demon or something something that like not that. a thing i have not revisited this in a long time we really need to go back like, back on it because i don't really remember the plot of it i know that like the teacher she was like i think kind of evil but then sort of was good and she had a son or like an adopted son and he was the gay one the doctor popped up at one point which i liked yes he was the prince of something pieces of this are coming back to me i know the do- i remember the the villain was like made of lava and that I, I seem to remember that so the doctor at the time was peter capaldi and he popped up in the school he was in like i think maybe like the first and last episode he did and he kind of was like yeah there's this demon that's coming to this school but you guys have got this and then but left and fine. we were like look at you he's not the lead isn't captain jack the lead isn't sarah jane it's like why on earth would the it's doctor kids. think it's human kids and also one of them was like covered in blood because their girlfriend had been like murdered that day mm-hmm. and this is where we have this very like unsympathetic uh Peter Capaldi's Doctor Who, I think, saw himself as a little above humans. Yeah. And uh, I guess we got a bit of that coldness in this as well. Mm-hmm, I think so. I want to quickly talk about in the wilderness years of Doctor Who, the director video movies that there were as spin offs. 
Okay. So these were mainly made by real-time pictures and BBV productions, and they featured a whole plethora of returning Doctor Who characters, returning villains. Some look better than others, I'm not going to lie. But in real-time pictures, there were movies like Wartime, Shakedown Return of the Sontarans, Downtime, Mind Game Saga, Demons Rising, The White Witch of Devil's End, and Sill and the Devil Seeds of Arador. And then BBV Productions created movies such as the Auton Trilogy, Zygon, When Being You Just Isn't Enough, and Cyberon. Um, and these featured a lot of returning characters, such as Sergeant John Benton from Unit, um, the Brigadier, Sarah Jane Smith, Ace. Well, Ace, I'll, I'll mention a bit about there. Sophie Eldra came back a lot, not always as Ace. We also saw the introduction of Kate Lethbridge Stewart. Yes. I think that the, though these movies are like mainly unofficial, they have brought a lot of things from them into main Doctor canon. So Kate Lethbridge-Stewart is obviously someone that's come from this and come into the main Doctor universe. I think that there's been a lot of expansion of unit that they've spoken about. One of the movies called Downtime, I would actually be really interested in watching. So it features the Brigadier, played by Nicholas Courtney, Sarah Jane Smith and Victoria Waterfield, played by Deborah Watling, all yeah. coming together with Kate Lethbridge-Stewart working with the unit, I think, against the Yetis. And I think that seemed like a really interesting adventure with a lot of returning companions I would be interested in watching. That is interesting because I had seen clips of this before with the Brigadier and Kate Lethbridge-Stewart, and I didn't know where they came from. And mm-hmm. I didn't know if they were canon or not, or if it was almost like a fan film. So that's quite interesting. It does feel a bit fan filmy. Um, and one thing as well, Sophie Aldred came back a lot, but not returning as Ace. Um, we also had Caroline Ford coming back in one of them, not playing Susan, playing an entirely new character. I also think it's funny, I believe it was in 2000, there was a film called Cyberon, which is about humans using a medication called Cybron to convert humans into robots that don't have emotions, but they're not called the Cybermen. Oh. <laughs> they're not called the Cybermen. They're not the Cybermen. They're not the Cybermen. But um, I've watched a couple of clips for it and you know the 80s Cyberman voice, which is very like this. You sure? It's literally the exact same voice. It's just a different costume. It's a cool costume though. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be interested in watching any of these spin-offs? You know what? I think we could watch them together. I'm willing to sit down and put on 20 minutes and then maybe start to fall asleep. But we can say we did it. <laughs> I think that the one featuring Sarah Jane I'd be interested in seeing. I've also, I've started watching Canine and Company quite a few times and never properly sat down and watched all of it. I do think it's something worth watching at some point. Well, that was a nice whistle-stop tour of some of the spin-off media. And I think we're probably going to find out pretty soon what kind of shows you might expect to see from 2024 onwards. Mm-hmm. I think that they need to create a new solid foundation for what Doctor Who will be. And I think they'll do that with the three specials in series 14. And then going forwards, I'm excited for all kinds. I want a Doctor Who horror show. I want a Doctor Who comedy show. I definitely want shows with uh, past companions. I think there's a whole other episode here somewhere about what we would like to see as spinoffs. Completely. This is is really something of a whistle-stop tour and a Mm mini-sode on this. There's so much we can unpack. And I think we'll do more of a deep dive into some of these individually. Completely. But always, always fun to discuss when you're a little hungover on a Sunday. Exactly. Just what I need to bring me back. We're just going to revive you with a little bit of spin-off. You know what I think you should do? You think make a nice cup of tea and go watch the Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh, that'd be bloody lovely. <laughs> but let's keep this conversation going. What kind of spin-off shows did you love growing up? And what would you love to see going forwards? Uh, you can always reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram, both at Pod. Uh, and as always, you can rewatch old episodes of the podcast on our YouTube channel also at Hulala Pod. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us on this Whistle Stop tour through the spin offs and beyond. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.